That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, After, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven. And those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of truth, present in all places, filling all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us, cleanse us of every stain and save our souls, gracious Lord. Amen. We have a really exciting story today on this third Sunday of Easter, and it's a story of two men taking a kind of a strange path out of the city of Jerusalem. And here, in this strange path, they have Jesus come alongside them, and he teaches them, but they don't know that it's Jesus. And he teaches them something very specific. Now, you probably noticed that there's some really key moments in this passage, and, and a couple of things I want to call out to you. First, as they reflected on being with Jesus at the very end of the story, if you look towards verses 34 and 35, you'll see that they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened to us the scriptures? So there was this sensation of hearing 
from the Christ, the risen one, as they heard him. But also, notice too that when he broke the bread, that their eyes were opened. And I want you to think about yourself in this strange season, if you will. This is a season, we say it every week, but we want to keep naming it. This is not a normal time, and it will be interesting to see what things are like after, you know, stay-at-home measures are lifted and all those other things. But this is not a normal time. It's kind of a strange season. And we have this opportunity, though, that even though we can't get together physically, there's an opportunity for us to have our Lord Jesus come up alongside us and teach us. Now, I want to draw your attention to something, and that's that Jesus is described as the crucified one who is glorified, that he's described as Lord and Christ. Notice that both Jesus says that of himself and St. Peter on the day of Pentecost says that of Jesus. Now remember, whenever the stranger, Jesus, is speaking to Cleopas and his friend, they, they've heard of maybe, he's, maybe Jesus is risen, but they're not quite sure. And again, this is before the ascension. This is definitely before the outpouring of Pentecost. This is the very same day, Luke says, and Luke 24. And so Jesus describes himself, the stranger Jesus, look at verse 26 of Luke 24. He describes himself this way. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Isn't that an interesting dynamic? That the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who would deliver Israel, the one who would bring in God's kingdom, God's rule and reign, his dominion, that this Christ would suffer. And so we have this paradox, if you will. And so even then, Jesus is inviting in his teaching to these disciples, he's inviting them to see this anointed one as the suffering one. To see the king as the one who gave his life. And as we said a few weeks ago, this glorified one as one who identifies with us in his death. All of us die. All of us will die. In this season where COVID-19 dominates the headlines, dominates the news every evening and every morning and every hour in between, we are keenly aware of our mortality. And we're also reminded, if we'll allow the Lord Jesus to come alongside us and teach us in this strange path, in this strange season, we're keenly reminded that the Christ suffered and entered into his glory. Now notice also that Peter proclaims this in Acts 2, 36. Peter proclaims that this to a culpable crowd in Jerusalem. Remember, these are the people who would, have been, who would have shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Now this is after the ascension. This is on the day of Pentecost when the outpouring of the Spirit happened. But Jesus, or excuse me, Peter says, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. So again, we have this pairing of Lord and Christ and crucifixion, suffering, and death. And even still, 
when the stranger, Jesus, the yet-to-be-revealed Jesus, it's such a great moment of irony, isn't it? it that's what makes the story to Emmaus so wonderful, because you and I know, and we think, guys, come on! And Jesus even says, oh, foolish ones, before he reveals himself. But the stranger, Jesus, speaks to Cleopas and his friend, and, he, and it says, Luke says, that he unpacks everything that the scriptures, in this context, the scriptures is the Old Testament, the law of Moses, the prophets. Later in Luke 24, verse 44, when Jesus appears to all the 11, it says that he teaches them everything that all the law, the prophets, and the Psalms have to say about him. So everything in the Hebrew Bible. And Jesus teaches them and this teaching is all centered around Christ being crucified and glorified. So, we have this teaching. Jesus proclaims it. St. Peter proclaims it. And this teaching results in some specific behavior. Some behavior that we would say is behavior that's concurrent with the kingdom of God, or it's consistent with those who call themselves Christians, perhaps those who are baptized, just like we read in our Acts chapter 2 passage today. And in both Luke and Acts, we see a few things. One we see is the breaking of bread. If you look at Acts 2.42 and both at the end of the Luke 24 passage, we see Jesus breaking the bread, taking it, blessing it, breaking it, and giving it, just like he did when he instituted the Lord's Supper on the night in which he was betrayed, just like when he took the fishes and loaves to feed the 5,000 in that desolate place. He took them, blessed them, and distributed them. So there's breaking of bread. And we want to name and acknowledge that in this season, when we're not able to break bread together, we're in a season of fasting. That's yet another thing that makes this such a strange journey for us from Jerusalem to Emmaus as we move to the sort of unknown of what's going to happen. And so we grieve and we mourn that we can't participate in that very distinct action of the kingdom of God. But notice what the disciples did in the book of Acts. After Peter's great sermon, after many thousands were added to the number of the church that day, what did they do? They broke bread together. Now, some may say, well, that means they ate together. Yeah, they did. But we also have to know that this is, this is a sort of formulaic way of saying that they celebrated what you and I would call the Holy Eucharist. But they did that together. And that's one reason that we can't do it right now is because we're not together. Secondly, notice what also they did. They, they committed themselves to the prayers. Now, if you look forward to Acts chapter 3, verse 1, you'll see Peter and James and John, they're going to the temple. It says, when? At the hour of prayer. That's the third hour. That's about 9 a.m. Chris and I have been talking all about morning and evening prayer in our Instagram videos. We've been encouraging you to take ownership for you and your household of your daily rhythm of prayer and reading in God's Word. Now, this is an Anglican pattern, to be sure, morning and evening prayer. In fact, one theologian says that nowhere is daily prayer so well kept or so well put forth in its liturgy than in the Anglican community. But it's not just Anglican. 
This is something that our Jewish forebears did. And we see Peter, James, and John, the other apostles and disciples, and I'm sure the culture of the Jerusalem church and the church in greater Palestine was like this, that at the hour of the morning sacrifice, about 9 a.m., the third hour, and about the hour of the evening sacrifice, about 3 p.m., about the ninth hour, that's what we called. So morning sacrifice, evening sacrifice. We can participate in this very distinct behavior of the kingdom as we hear the teaching of our Lord Jesus that centers on his crucifixion and glorification it leads into this desire to be with him it leads into this desire to pray to him and when we pray friends you're not just getting through the list you're not just checking everything off so that you can be done like it's an application at the DMV God help us with those kind of things when we pray, we are present. We breathe in deeply. We, kind of, we keep our mind focused on our Lord Jesus Christ. And we listen. We listen. We say the prayers, but we listen. And what do we listen to? We listen to the apostles' teaching. That's another thing Acts 2 says that they were steadfastly continuing in and devoted to. And the apostles taught what they heard their Lord Jesus teach. And that is what? What everything in the scriptures, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, what everything in the scriptures said about him. It's so important to see all of Holy Scripture friends, all of Holy Scripture people of St. Bart's, through the lens of the crucified and glorified Christ. He is our King that died for us. He is our King that is risen again. And so as we walk this strange path, we are not those who are without hope. As we walk this path where we fast from the Eucharistic bread and wine, we are not those who are without hope. Because like Psalm 116 says, we will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. We will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving together again. And until then, we behold our crucified and glorified Christ. Some other behaviors that are a result of the teaching of our Lord Jesus, teaching of the apostles. Look at Acts 2, 44 and 45. They had everything in common. They sold the things that they had to give to those who had need. I'm going to, I want to te tell you a personal thing right now. Um, I know giving, especially financially, but maybe giving of your time and your talent and other things is difficult. This is a season where our financial system has been totally rocked. And so I don't want to make a blanket statement about how anyone else feels right now, but I want to tell you how I feel right now. I was reading a book by a man named Anthony Bloom called a Beginning to Pray, and he, he spoke of when we pray, we want to have a posture that has hands open, not holding on to anything. And as I read that, I was reminded of our tithes when we give to the church and our offerings when we give to people in need organizations, different things, charitable things that help promote the kingdom of God. But friends, when we tithe, it's not to prove anything. It's certainly not protection money <laughs> from God, but it's a way to say, God, I give you this first 
10%. I give you this first fruits because I know everything else is yours. And friends, I have to tell you that as I've changed my mindset about money, as I have, when I give, instead of saying, okay, God, there it is, and hope for something to come back, instead I say, all right, Lord, I give this. This is yours. You have everything else, and I leave my hands open. I don't want to grab onto anything else because you know what? The Lord will give to me as I have need. And we see the church in Acts doing the very same thing. Now, we're working on a way to be ready to help those who are in specific financial need. Chris and I will be talking to the vestry on Sunday about a relief fund, a fund that can be open to people, especially at St. Bart's, but perhaps even outside our boundaries. We don't have all the details yet. But people who are local, people who are here, and people who are experiencing the financial fallout from this great crisis. This is a behavior of the kingdom of God. The church has been given just like broken bread and poured out wine for the life of the world. And so we want to sacrificially give. But I, I just want to remind you, we're doing great financially in the churches. But I want to remind you, as you give, don't just do it automatically, but do it remembering. God, everything already is yours. I see my risen Christ. I see my crucified Christ, one and the same, the King, and I trust him. He's the ruler of the universe. So they prayed, they broke bread, they committed themselves steadfastly to the, to the apostles' teaching, and lastly, we see these apostles going and proclaiming resurrection. After they realized, after their eyes were opened, that it was Jesus, it says, in the breaking of bread. Isn't that a beautiful vision? After they realized who it was, they went forth and proclaimed resurrection. He is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. They went and told their friends. We want to we be able to read the room and know the moment that we're living in right now. We want to help acknowledge and grieve with one another, with our neighbors especially, everything, all the difficulties that we're going through. But we also are those who have hope. We have hope of resurrection. Not only in this season, in these great 50 days, not only for this life, St. Paul says, he says if we hope only for this life, then of all people we are most to be pitied. But we have a hope for the life that is to come. A question or two for you as I close. Thank you for listening, by the way. It means a lot. It means a lot that I can be able to preach God's word to you, that I can be with you right now, even though I'm not with you right now. And here are my questions. As we walk on this strange road in these strange days, will we hear what Jesus is teaching us? I know he's speaking to each of you. Can you hear him? Can you declutter your life? Can you open your hands and let go of the things that you have attached yourself to? Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. Can you hear him and will you hear him? And what is he teaching you and me on this road? We'll be processing this for years to come this season. And it's hard to remember that in the moment. It's frustrating 
in the moment. I get that. What will he teach us? Are we beholding the scriptures? Are we beholding our crucified and glorified Lord, our God? Are we devoting ourselves to the prayers? Friends, each of us are on this road to Emmaus, but we're not alone. We're praying for you. We're here. If you need something, email the church, contact at stbartsdallas.org. Call the church number, 214-506-8718. Yes, it's a Google voice thing, but call and leave a message. But you are not alone. And we have the hope of resurrection as we journey together. Let us pray. Lord, let these words bear fruit in your good and perfect time. We love you and we trust you. We pray that you would have mercy on us, have mercy on the world, and glorify yourself in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.